You're listening to a Big Finish production. What was that? The sound of a Time Lord sulking off. I can't believe he did it. The Doctor's gone. The Doctor's gone. Ruddy kids again. Ah, Stubbs. Oh, good evening, sir. Dreadfully sorry to come calling so late, Stubbs. But he sent for me. Well, he didn't say, Mr. Hobshaw, sir. Uh, no, but please, come in. Yeah, it all sounded dreadfully mysterious. Hobby, my dear fellow. Oh, it's so good of you to come by at short notice. I'm not one for gallivanting out so late in the evening, Charles, but your summons seemed rather urgent. I know, I know. Oh, it's a special night, Hobby. It's All Hallows' Eve, Charles, just about. Indeed it is. October the 31st in the year of our Lord, 1892. A date that will be celebrated in history books yet to be written. I wanted you to be here, my dear friend, to witness it. Witness what, Charles? Of the future, John Hobshaw, the future. Ah, we'll be in the drawing room, Stubbs. Yes, sir. Uh, I know it's late, but if Mrs. Polly might be prevailed upon, a few sandwiches? Yes, sir. Oh, at a couple of brandies, if you don't mind. Right away, sir. You leave your coat. Come on through, Hobby. More kids, was it, Mr Stubbs? Oh, no, Mrs Polly. It was Mr Hobshaw come a-calling. At this hour? Himself has requested a tray of sandwiches. And I was just off to bed. Never mind. There's some good ham in the larder. <clears throat> Quite thought it was kids again. Doorbell's been ringing all the evening. Well, I gave them a good holler last time, told them to stop their tricks. Maybe they thought better of trying again. <laughs> I say, I nearly yelled in poor Mr Hobshaw's face. <laughs> I've never known a year for so much guising. Mm. They were tapping at the pantry window not a half hour ago and rapping at the back gate. Did you tell them to clear off? No, I ignored them. Now Jack used to say, don't give them the satisfaction. They'll keep on if they know they've got a rise out of you. Your late husband was a wise man, Mrs Polly. Hmm. Not so wise. He didn't march off and never come home, was he, Mr Stubbs? Well, look, take these brandies up to himself and his guest. Sandwiches won't be long. Listen. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> oh, I thought that was uh, knocking at the back gate again. I didn't hear it. I'll take these up and then step out and have a look. Can't imagine what Mr. Hobshaw is doing here at this time of night. 
Have a seat, dear fellow. Mm. Cozy in here. Mm. So, is it your book, Charles? Is it finished? Oh, the book. You've been on it months. I've barely seen you. I was just saying only the other day why I haven't laid eyes on Charles Crookshap in six months. You usually share a chapter or two with me. I do, Hobby. You've every right to chide me. I value your opinion, and I've missed our dinners talking over ideas. I rather fancied I'd come to the end of my usefulness. Oh. I mean to say you're the celebrated author, and who am I? Just a common schoolmaster with... You're not just anything, Hobby. You're a good friend with a fine mind. I've said it before, but... I couldn't have written any of my books without you as a sounding board, full of bright ideas and wise advice. Uh, That's awfully kind, Charles, but really... I'm serious, Hobby. That's why I summoned you at this godforsaken hour. To see your book. Mm. My book, yes. Let me tell you a little story. Do you remember... I dare say you don't. Do you remember a discussion we had about time communiques? Goodness. Of course. The idea that if one could converse with one's future self, one could learn a great deal about the world to come, and then share that knowledge for the betterment of mankind. Mm. I thought it was a splendidly wild notion. Quite excellent material for one of your scientific romances. The readers will lap it up. (laughs) Well, I've done it, Hobby. Written it? No, Hobby. I've actually done it. Your brandies, Mr Crookshap. Uh, Splendid stuff. Spot them down. From the look on his face, I'd say Hobby here is ready for his. Uh, Mrs Polly says to tell you these sandwiches will be just a few minutes. Thank you, Stubbs. That'll be all for now. Your health, Hobby. Charles, what the devil do you mean you've done it? I've talked to the future, Hobby. Conversed with the world to come. I say, are you quite all right? Oh, yes. I've been having dreams, Hobby, every night for the last four months. Vivid dreams. My future self visits me through the medium of dream, and we converse. Really, Charles, if this is some Halloween prank... No prank, Hobby, no prank. I have enjoyed a dialogue with the future, with myself, speaking from the ages to come, and, my, I have learned so much. Like what? First and foremost... How to make that dialogue more permanent, more real. My future self has taught me how to prepare and construct... Ah, what does your pocket watch say? What? Uh, Not far off midnight, Charles. Then come with me. It's about time. Time for what? You'll see for yourself. Me, Charles. Hmm. What on earth have you done to your dining room? I've never seen such a thing. Like some theatrical boudoir on the Strand. What happened to the table and... This is what I was instructed to prepare, Hobby. I've done it very carefully. You might call it, I suppose, a magic chamber. Oh. I know, I know, that's a rather silly name. But my future self was quite specific regarding the decoration. The symbols, the designs, the alignments, all ready for this very hour, Hobby. For tonight, when the veil is thin. What veil? The veil of time, Hobby. And space too, I should wager. All Hallows' Night, my friend, it's a special moment. The world becomes permeable. The rigid laws of nature relax. Charles, 
What exactly do you think is about to happen? My future self is going to pay me a visit. Oh, Charles. Oh, my poor dear friend, I think... I think perhaps I should have Stubbs fetch you a doctor. Now, I assure you, I, I am quite well, Hobby. Hobby, look! Look, man! Look what's forming in front of us! What the devil is that? Oh, hello. Good evening. It's so good of you to come. Um, you were expecting me? I was expecting me, but you were kind enough to explain the confusion. I was? Huh. Perhaps you could explain it back to me. Aha! A test. Very prudent. Uh, You said that in the future, in order to enjoy extended lifespans, people would renew their bodies and thus their appearances would change. That I would not look as I do now. I said that. Well, I said it. To me. But that's you too, isn't it? Is it? Let's start again. I'm the doctor. So, I'm a doctor? No, I'm the doctor. Oh. Oh. You look as baffled as I feel. Do you happen to know what's going on? How did you make that box appear? Uh, clearly not. Look, we seem to be at cross-purposes. I'm new in town, just visiting. This is London, 1930-ish, yes? Uh, I'm sorry about just popping up in your... magical temple. Good grief. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm who you think I am. You're Charles Crookshap. No. You're me. No. You're my future self, clad in a different face. No, really, none of those things. Sorry. What is going on? Mr. Stubbs, the tray's about ready to take up. I don't know what's going on up there. Mr. Hobshaw looked ill at ease. I say, did you hear a noise? More knocking? No. While I was coming back down, a moaning, a rising and a falling. No? Are you having me on? No. Little guys of your own, eh? I wouldn't do that, Mrs. Polly, not at all. But there was a noise. Such an odd sound. The tray, Mr. Stubbs. Hmm? Oh! Right oh. <laughs> if there's nothing else, I'll be off to my bed. I'll lock up down here as soon as I've damped the stove. Much obliged. Good night. Good night, Mr. Stubbs. <clears throat> oh, honestly. Again. Clear off home, you little rascals. Will you stop it with your silly games? Get on with you! Now you listen to me! Hello? Where are you? Somebody please explain. Charles... How did he make that box appear? Charles. It is Charles, isn't it? I think your friend there might need a sit-down and some smelling salts. Hobby, pull yourself together. This is all quite normal. That blue box appeared out of nowhere. There's nothing normal about that. Well, to be expected, then. Expected? Yes, that's the part that's not normal. I'm not used to being expected. 
anywhere, and you were expecting me, or rather, if I understand correctly, yourself. Why is that? I don't understand. You told me to await your arrival. Then when did we have this conversation? In his dreams. He said so. He said you talked to him in his dreams. Really? But I don't think we've ever met, in dreams or otherwise. In fact, I don't know who you are, Charles. Don't you recognize him? He's Charles Crookshap. The Charles Crookshap. I don't know the name. Well then, you're clearly not from the future. Charles is the most famous and highly regarded author of the age. I'm sorry, the name isn't ringing any bells. Well, sir, I believe you're some kind of awful charlatan who's been playing tricks on my dear friend, filling his head with nonsense, and then this business with the blue box. How's that done? Mirrors? What's your game, sir? Are you from one of the tawdry rags, trying to destroy the credibility of the master of scientific romance? Of course, you'd pick all Hallows' Night to do that. It's Halloween. You know very well. What's your name? John Hopshaw, sir. John Hopshaw? The, the writer, John Hopshaw? I am but a schoolmaster, sir. I cherish ambitions to write one day, but... And you will. John Hopshaw spent his early years teaching at a prep in Kilburn, then took to writing. It's a pleasure to meet you. How did you know my position is at Kilburn? What kind of tricks are you playing, sir? So, history remembers who you are, but not your celebrated friend here. And you were expecting me. Or something. This isn't going as I anticipated. I agree. This room... Did you furnish it this way? Exactly the way you told me to. In your dreams? Yes, why? This is very concerning. The sigils on the floor, those symbols you placed on the walls, did you get them from a book? No. You communicated them to me in, in my dreams. In your dreams, yes. So these designs just came out of your head. That's rather worrying. Worrying? And it's Halloween. The witching hour itself. Oh, dear. Hello? Where the devil are you hiding? I know you're still here, you little tykes. You didn't have time to run off. Where are you? I've a mind to take a belt to your backsides. Look, come on out, and that'll be the end of it. Who's doing that? Where are you? I see you. Hiding in those shadows, you can stop that right now. Oh, my good lord! My goodness gracious me, what are you? Now, both of you, Charles and John. There's something troubling happening here. These designs, no one in the 1930s should know these symbols. Not on Earth, at any rate. What do you mean, not on Earth? You keep saying the 1930s, sir. This is not the 1930s. It patently is. Look at your clothes. It's 1892, sir. Is it? Oh. Oh, that's very odd. Not as odd as the really odd parts, but still... My guess was 40 years out. I'm usually very good at that. Good at what? Never mind. 1892. Hmm. London, 1892. Yes, sir. Uh, a doctor. Halloween, 1892. Yes, doctor. Ah, 
Yes, well, it's worse than I thought. What? A thin spot. Famously, a thin spot. 1892. A thin spot in what? Well, put simply, uh, time. Well, go on. It's like this. Uh, time is like a, a, a fabric. Space-time. I, I won't bore you with the details. Well, by all means, do. We don't have the time, Charles, ironically. Imagine space-time is a fabric, a bolt of cloth stretched out, and there are little weaknesses, little patches, worn away, thin spots. London, 1892, is definitely one of them. 1872, the Azores, that's another. Uh, the Marie Celeste, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, Tunguska, 1908. Patches of thin time. Yes. Ordinarily, they're nothing to worry about. Well, they can get a little lively, but now, here, and Halloween too, and the symbols. Magic symbols, as you dictated to me. Wrong. I'm afraid on both counts. They're sub-quantum computations rendered in a stylized form, complex and, and quite potent. They, they, in effect, stretch the weakness. Uh, they make the thin spot um, thinner. See here, Dr. Whoever you are, one minute you're gabbling science and space-time, the next magic and Halloween. All the same thing, John, all the same thing. One man's magic is another man's physics. It all depends on your point of view, the, your context, the, the language you have at your disposal to describe it. Some of the alchemical amulets of the 13th century were actually very effective quantum algorithms. And don't get me started on the pre-dynastic Egyptians. I don't understand your concern. The very point of these symbols, this chamber, the whole of tonight, is to permit access through time. Uh, if these designs make that access more expedient, then... I didn't send these to you. You didn't invent them. We don't know who sent them. 1892 is a thin spot, and Halloween night is the peak of that thinness, because, ironically, Halloween is, cosmologically speaking, there's a genuine reason why Halloween has an otherworldly reputation. Uh, but the, the thin spots, odd things, cluster around them. They're drawn to them, things that don't belong here. Like you? Well, in a way. I think that's why the TARDIS landed here. She was drawn here like... Iron to a magnet. Are you saying something's trying to get in? Yes, John. Trying to get into our world? Something that has no right to be here? Something we really don't want to be here. Like what? I don't know, yet. But trust me, something is very close to coming in. <laughs> oh, oh, heavens. Your sandwiches, Mr. Crookshap. Not that. We had another visitor, sir. Well, not to worry, Stubbs. I've just popped by for a spell. Charles, oh, those sandwiches look delicious. Uh, how many people are in the house? You and John? And my man here, Stubbs, and Mrs Polly, my housekeeper. Did you hear that? What? I heard it. A cry! That was Mrs Polly! <laughs> I didn't mean to have you all rushed down. I'm sorry, sir. My dear woman, you look quite beside yourself. Whatever is the matter? Something outside, sir. I've unlocked the door, but... What was it? Who are 
are you? A question we're all asking. The doctor's a guest. Introductions of mine. later. Mrs. Polly, I presume. What was outside? Well, well, well there was a tapping at, at first. Those rascal kids again! No, Mr. Stubbs, it, it wasn't kids guys in. I went out to give them a piece of my mind, and, and, and there wasn't anybody there except. Except? There, there was something. In the shadows. It, it, it wasn't kids. In the shadows? It, it was the shadows. Oh, dear. There was a sound. It, it was awful. A, a moan. Oh, those wretched kids. I oh, don't! Unbolt that door, Mr Stubbs, if you don't mind. What's out there? Just the rear yard. I don't see anything. Well, it's after midnight. No, John, I can't see anything. Not even the yard by the light of this window. A rear yard, you say? And a gate to the street. Which street? Where in London are we? How on earth do you not know where you are? Juniper Street, Doctor, in Siddington Gardens. Hmm. Siddington Gardens. Hmm. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to check all the doors and windows, not just the ground floor, everywhere. What? Charles, I want you to go to the dining room and take down all those symbols. Uh, just take them down. Smudge out all the ones written in chalk. It's extremely important that you do as I say. What the devil is going on? Look, I'm with Stubbs. You come in here, Lord knows how, and start demanding... John, I need you to trust me. I'll try to explain, but we must secure the doors and windows first. Please. Let's... Let's do as the doctor says. Hobby stops coming on. Look here, Charles. I'm really not sure about this doctor fellow. I don't know. Cut him, jib at all, sir. That's enough, Stubbs. He's my guest. Be a good fellow and check the hall, front door, windows, and so forth, just like the doctor said. Hobby and I will see to the drawing room and the dining room. Very good, sir. Now, listen here, Hobby. Hmm? I'm eager to learn. That's why I brought the doctor here. Let's get along and secure the house and put his mind at ease. Then he can tell us everything. Well, I suppose... You saw how he arrived, Hobby. Think what other wonders he can share with us. So, Mrs. Polly, are there any other doors down here? Uh, just a window in the back pantry. Hmm. What did I see? What did you see? Oh, I, I don't like to say. In front of Mr. Crookshap, in case mm. he thinks you're mad, but you saw something. I could tell from your look. You saw something you didn't want to talk about. Just the shadows... And the sound. You said it was the shadows. I don't know what I said. Well, that's secure enough for now. And you bolted the back door. What did you see? Don't worry, I'm not easily shocked. I really didn't see anything, sir, but I felt... Go on. I felt that my Jack was there. Your husband? My late husband. Ah. Now I understand your reticence. I didn't see him. Oh, goodness. This is so silly. I know he wasn't there, but there was... Like when you know someone really well and you just know they're present, they come into the room and you don't look up, but you know. I know. You didn't see him. He didn't speak. Oh, of 
course he didn't. He's been dead six years. Lost in the Russian wars. I think it's just tonight. All hallows. The local kids playing tricks, knocking doors. It's put my nerves on edge. So silly. I was imagining things. It was just kids. No. You knew. I think that's why I got upset. It felt for all the world like he was there. Just on the other side of the shadows. And he was angry. Or upset. And it was so terrible to think of him that way. I thought he'd gone to his rest. I thought he was at peace. He is. It wasn't him, but it wasn't your imagination either. It was enticement. Something wanted you to think he was there. What are you saying? It wanted you to open the door. (laughs) I shut it again quick, smart, I can tell you. Good for you. Good for all of us. Who are you exactly, sir? Well, that's how... That's the front door again. Come with me. Bloody kids, I'll tang your hides. Stop! No, don't open it! What? Oh, my life! Snaps, get back! Get back! Turn that to the elephant's foot. What was that? It looked... It looked like a whirlpool in the air itself. And the whipping tendrils, like... I could barely look at it. It was so horrible. I felt the very sight of it would steal my sanity away. It might, at that. What happened to Stubbs? What did you mean it took him? It snatched him off his feet, right off the doormat. The shadow just... Swallowed him up. It was horrible. Poor, poor man. He almost let it in. But what was it? Something that wanted to get inside. The thing you were warning about? Unfortunately, no. A side effect, a symptom. Some minor force that's taken advantage of the hole you've made. Things like that plaster around thin spots. I've seen them before, though. Not quite face to face like that. I really don't understand. And I don't expect you to. How's it gone? Yes. Oh, no. But it's shut out for now. And it's persistent. Are all the other doors and windows shut? I was pretty thorough. Let's check again. Then we'll go back to the dining room and put a stop to this once and for all. Everyone take a seat. What is that big blue box? Oh, that's mine. Uh, Charles, I asked you to take the designs down, scrub them out. I I did, Doctor. Well, they're all back. That's extraordinary. That word seizing to have much value this evening, Charles. Oh, there's a hole here. A natural cosmic hole in space-time. In what now? 
I'm sorry, it's very hard to explain, but the world is thin here, especially on this date of the year, and these have made things infinitely worse. They've made the hole bigger. Reinforced it. We'll have to burn them. Uh, John, start scrubbing out those chalk marks. Oh, all right. Uh, should I fetch a cloth? No, John can use his sleeve. We haven't got time to waste. Uh, I'll help you, sir. So, Charles has opened a hole this evening and things are getting through. Like that thing on the threshold? The thing that took poor Mr Stubbs, yes, and probably several more like it. Lurking things from the blind angles of space, like uh, spiders and mites in dusty corners. Not in this house. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Anyway, these things gather like moths at a window, and if you open the window, they're drawn to the light. Drawn to the light and the smell of another world. And in they flutter. But they're mindless, just animals, really. We've shut them out, haven't we? I'm sorry to say they're not the real problem, John. They're just a side effect we'll have to cope with. The real problem is, well... Not mindless. Exactly. This thin spot is natural. So are the things tapping at the doors. But the rest of it, it's deliberate. Well, don't look at me. This entire situation is infinitely worse because there's a design at work. A deliberate scheme to take advantage of this thin spot and get through. Something smarter than those things. Something intelligent. Well, that's you, isn't it, Doctor? Once again, Charles, I didn't come to you in your dreams. I didn't teach you how to do any of this. But something definitely did. It did it with a purpose. How did all this start? Uh, Charles was writing a book. He's very famous for them, not that you'd know. He was writing a book about time communiques. Time communiques? I fancied if a man could speak to his future self, he would learn much for the good of the world. I toyed with the idea for some time, then the dreams began. You dreamed about yourself? My future self, yes. We conversed at length, night after night. I thought it fancy at first, but it repeated so vividly, it became very real. Each morning I'd wake and jot down notes, and I realised I was composing a method. It was all there, the designs and what have you. Did you see yourself in these dreams? Uh, no, not face to face. But you recognised yourself? Uh, absolutely. Just a sense of knowing someone's there and who they are. Like my Jack? Quite. Enticement. So your dreams taught you what to do, and said tonight was the night to do it. Indeed. And it even told you it would have a different face. It certainly did. It said that in the future, we would change form and change faces. So it's very, very clever. Covering itself, making sure nothing gives it away until it's too late. Too late for what? Too late to stop it. Charles, when did you start having the dreams? Uh, I'd say three or four months ago, at least. And you've been working on this ever since? With some enthusiasm, sir. Ah. Oh, that's not good at all. What's the matter? Doctor? That would explain a great deal. I thought it was just tonight, but it's not. It's been going on for months. Tonight is just the culmination. For goodness sake, man, what are you saying? I'm saying that whatever it is, it's not trying to get in. It's already here.
Oh. Ignore that. We've got work to do. How long until dawn? Not that long, Doctor. Dawn is our deadline. We've got until then. Isn't it already too late? You just said this, this menace was already here. Yes, John. It's been coming through gradually for the last few months. Seeping in a little at a time. Adjusting itself to its new environment. And adjusting its environment to suit it. But dawn is when it will fully manifest. Manifest from where? What, what is it? I don't know precisely. I'm not sure I want to know. My guess is it's a highly intelligent entity from another dimension. The future? Ah, uh, no. No, Charles. That part was just a lie, I told you. The future is just this world later on. I'm talking about another dimension altogether. Another universe. One very alien to this, with its own laws of nature and rules of physics. I can't make heads nor tails of this. Look here. If it's already here, here in the house, why can't we see it? Where is it? I don't know, John. It may be hiding, for now. It's not complete. It's probably hiding until it's got enough strength to reveal itself. So, we search for it? We could just leave. If it's so dangerous, we could just leave and... Yes, Mrs Polly's quite right. We could go off, uh, take shelter in a hotel somewhere, until all this fuss and nonsense can't... Sadly, down. no. Oh. For one thing, I don't think we'd make it out of the door intact. Oh. You saw what happened to poor Mr Stubbs. For another, I don't think there's anywhere to go to... London isn't out there anymore. Well, of course it is. I looked out of the kitchen window, Charles. There was nothing there. I mean, nothing. This house is the focus. Outside, everything is in flux. It's reshaping. The entity is very alien to this world. It needs to adjust to fit in, and as I said, it needs to adjust the environment too. Adjust the environment? In order to survive been doing it for months, bit by bit. This world is already very changed. And none of you can see it, but I can. I have a certain prior knowledge. The clothes you're wearing, for instance. They'll be fashionable in the 1930s. They're 40 years early. And you, John, you should have a fair reputation as a writer by now. And there's never, ever been a part of London called Siddington Gardens. <laughs> I beg to differ. Of course you do. It's all snuck up on you without you noticing it. The world is shifting imperceptibly. This extra-dimensional entity is rewriting the world, changing history. There shouldn't be a Siddington Gardens. There never was any Russian war. But, but my husband... You mean... The world's being revised. The effects have been spreading out like ripples. First this house, then this street, then the neighbourhood, then London itself. At dawn, the world won't be the world anymore. It'll be a new place the entity can exploit. You say that like this this thing is treating the world like a work of fiction. A work of fiction not to its taste. It wants it to follow its rules, its storyline. Right. Doctor, how do we stop it if it's already here? Well, these might help. The symbols, the computations. It's too late to burn them, that won't stop it. But I might be able to calculate corollaries. Design equations that will reverse the whole process. Uh, I need a pen and paper. My study. I'll show you the way. Charles, John, mm. as we approach dawn, the things outside will become more agitated. They'll try harder to get in. Close any shutters and get some heavy furniture up against the doors. Can you do that? Absolutely. Of course. Let's get on with it.
in here, sir. This is himself studying. Thank you, Mrs. Polly. I'll make myself at home at the desk. It's chilly in here. Uh, should I light a fire? No need, with luck. Oh, otherwise, we won't be in here that long. Mm-hmm. These computations are very curious. Looks Greek to me. A lot of sums. How do you mean curious? Well, I recognise the structures, the intent, but well, they make no sense. As though... What? As though they're based on an entirely other set of fundamental principles. You've lost me, Doctor. Well, this is all science. It may look like pages from some mad wizard's grimoire, but it's scientific notation, albeit in a highly stylized form. There ought to be sense, rational, mathematical sense, but it reads as though they're constructed on governing premises that are entirely... Entirely... Wrong. Illogical. Inside out and upside down. That doesn't sound promising. Can you do it? I'm going to try. I've got to try. I mean, how hard could it be? Reinvent the laws of physics in the alarmingly short time we have left before first light. If we... If we set this all right, Doctor, does that mean my husband won't be dead? Ah, well, yes, it might. I think. You said that there was no Russian war. So, if there was no war, he can't die. That's how it should work, yes. I can't believe it. It's not been much of a life without him. But what will happen to us if you change the world back? Will we, will we die? No, goodness, no. <laughs> Nothing like that. But you won't remember this. This won't be your history anymore. You'll shift back to the way things should be. Everything will... Realign and uh, bingo. Like waking up? And not remembering a dream. I should certainly not like to be a lonely widow anymore. What about your history? What do you mean? You're a funny fellow, Doctor. <laughs> I really am. You know so much about things that no one has any idea of, like everything that's happening tonight and... So matter of fact about these incredible... I'm not from around here. Wherever you're from, there can't be many like you. Oh, I'm one of a kind. You're certainly not likely to run into two of me, Mrs. Pollitt. Must be a very odd life, being so singular. I think you must be very lonely. I know how that feels. Make of him, Charles. It's Doctor Fellow, Harvey. He is an odd stick, that's for sure. I'll say. Gosh, Charles, this whole thing—it's—it's it's like living inside the pages of one of your books. I suppose so. Quite incredible. My head's positively spinning. He's right, though. That Doctor chap. Those awful things are getting more persistent. Help me with a sideboard. We'll shift it in front of the door. This. He's talking about this intelligent entity. He claims it's already here. In my house. Charles? A highly intelligent outsider. Does that ring a bell, Hobby? No pun intended. You don't think? We don't know a thing about this, Doctor. 
He's got us running around after him. What if that's just to keep us busy while he finishes what he started? Where were you going, Doctor? Sorry? You said you came here by mistake. You must have been going somewhere. Oh, I just wanted a bit of a break. I like London at this time of most years. I I thought I'd visit. And do you always travel alone? No, no, I often have company. Um, People I'm very fond of, but uh, trouble seems to follow me. I put them in danger far too often, and people suffer for it. I can't have that. I can't keep putting them at risk. So you ran off and left them behind? Oh, I wouldn't put it quite like that. What then? I suppose I did. I left them behind. Somewhere they'd be safe, just to protect them. And that was a wise decision, Mrs Polly, because just look where I am now. What did your friends think to that? Well? They probably would have liked to make that decision for themselves. People like to have a choice, you know. I'd like to have chosen for my Jack not to go off to the damn war. I'd like to choose to forget everything just to get him back. People like to make their own choices, Doctor. I fancy your friends were well aware of the risks and wanted to come with you anyway. Yes. Well, uh, no time to brood. I have to get this finished. The computations are tricky. I can't even begin to fathom what it uh... You're a wise young woman. You know, Mrs. Polly? Just a housekeeper, sir. Soon to be unwidowed, I do hope, if you get your infernal sums right. Doctor? Yes, I heard. The moths want to get at the light. Doctor, the front door's wide open. John! Charles! Where are you? John? Mr. Crookshap! I can't believe either of them would have left the door wide open. Neither can I. Unless... Let's just get it closed. Mrs. Polly! Don't go any further. Back away to me very slowly. Don't make any sudden movements. Just back up towards me. It's only a few steps. Easy now. It saved me. No, but it consents you. Just come on back very gently. Now. Oh, gracious. He's here. I can feel him. He isn't here. Just... I can feel him, my Jack. He's so sad, so troubled. It's not him, I assure you. It's not him. It's playing tricks with you, enticing you. Just step back towards me, one foot at a time. That's it. Don't let it get in your head. Just come on back to me. Please, I'll get your jack back for you. The real one, not this. Just one more step. That's it. That's it. Now, run! Are you all right? I think so. I'm alive. 
I thought we were going to end up like Mr. Stubbs. We'll do our best to avoid that. The door will keep it out for now. It got through the front door. No, it didn't. I think someone left that open. What? I think I was getting a little too close, and the entity, whatever we're up against, decided to even the playing field by letting that thing in. To kill you? I think so. Distract me, at least. But who? There's only us in the house. No. The entity's here in some form or other. I was clearly getting very near to the solution, and he didn't like that. But your fancy sums are no use to us now. We're stuck in here in the drawing room with that thing right outside. All your notes and stuff, they're in the study. We can't get to them. Yes, that is a problem. Then how? The dining room's through here, isn't it? Charles's magical chamber and my TARDIS. John? John, are you all right? Oh. Looks like you've taken a tumble. Oh, I, I think... I think something knocked me on the head. Oh, I'm bleeding. Let me look. Let's get him into a chair. John, where's Charles? Do you know where he went? Things have got inside the house and it's not safe. He was with me. We were blocking the front door... Then we came in here and, oh, goodness, I can't remember anything after that. We... Doctor, look there. The symbols. All back in place. Oh, dear. Mrs. Polly, help him up. We've got to get him into the TARDIS. That blessed blue box thing. What are you saying? We won't fit in there. Yes, yes, come on. It's almost gone. It certainly is, Doctor. Ah, Charles. I had a funny feeling. I wish it had been wrong. Charles, what the devil are you doing with that sword stick? Just stay back, all three of you. Tick tock. The witching hour is done. Dawn is upon us. We are almost there. Mr. Crookshap, have you got that? He's not gone anywhere, Mrs. Polly. He was never here. Isn't that right, Charles? I suppose it is. Now, now, no closer, Doctor. Your blue box is out of bounds. I don't understand. Charles, what are you playing at? Uh, John, that's not Charles. There is no Charles Crookshap. There never has been. The celebrated author, just another facet of this moment that's been rewritten. Paul de Dash! I've known Charles for years. You only think you have. That's why I'd never heard of him. And why I didn't see it. Uh, are you saying Mr. Crookshap is... Oh, yes. Try to stay calm, both of you. Don't provoke it. I know this is a lot to take in. Charles here isn't what he seems to be, and that's why I didn't realise what I was dealing with at first. About a century from now, there will be a rather unpleasant phenomenon called fishing. We have that already, my good man. No, John. Fishing with a P-H. People pretending to be other people. Sending messages, manipulating in order to trick and extort. I thought that's what was happening here, that poor Charles was being fished by the entity. I was pretending to be him, talking to him in his dream, steering him into drawing the symbols and making all the preparations. But no. Charles was the entity, and the entity was Charles. Charles Crookshap, celebrated author, was an extension of the entity itself. Sent through to our here and now to prepare the way, and stretched time thin, so that the entity could emerge fully formed. 
I doubt you even knew that, did you, Charles? I did not. I thought I was me, the recipient of wisdom from the future. But now, I see it as it is. In the past little while, it's all become clear since you arrived, really. I know what I am, what I've always been, and now I am here entirely. Not quite. Oh, just another few moments. It's first light. I will be myself, fully and completely, and the world will be thoroughly revised to accept me. And then what? Not your concern, Doctor. You won't be here to see it. I'll be rather fatigued by the journey and decidedly hungry. You three will be my first meal. What? You devilish rotten... Step back, hobby. I will run this blade right through you. Feeding. That's what you've come to do. A whole new world to satiate your appetite. But not just one world. A whole new dimension. The one I'm leaving behind has rather run out. I've picked it clean. I need a new larder. Ready stocked. How long have you been doing this? How long is forever, Doctor? Moving from dimension to dimension. Feasting on each until all life is gone. I'm afraid you can't do that here. You're in no position to stop me. What's happening to his face? It's melting! Like what? He was never that tall before. His true form is asserting itself. Oh, good Lord, have mercy! What can we do? We've got to do something! Just stay still, both of you. Stay still. But Doctor! I won't let this happen. I don't even know how it can! It makes no sense! If Charles was never Charles, how could he come through in the first place? How could he send himself to pave the way? It's truly preposterous! How could he come here to prepare for his own arrival? It defies all logic! Yes, Hobby, it does. It defies all the logic of this world. The rules of time and space, the laws of physics, they're very different where you're coming from, aren't they, Charles? They vary from place to place, Doctor. Each dimension is built upon its own cosmological principles. Why are you smiling? Because you've made a mistake, Charles. And there I was thinking I'd have to rewrite the laws of physics in one night to stop you. You can't. Because I don't have to. In this universe, time is linear. Oh, some of us can move around in it if they have access to the time vortex. But otherwise, it's a one-way street. Before and after always happens in that order, no exceptions. You can't have your afters first, I'm afraid. What do you mean? A very clever thing, Charles. Cleverer than me, I shouldn't wonder, but you only understand the scientific laws of the dimension you come from. They don't apply here. Sorry, you've miscalculated. You've started from the wrong first principles. You've created a paradox, Charles. And the paradox is you. That is not the case. I'm afraid it is. And as you're about to find out, any second now, as dawn breaks, this universe doesn't allow paradoxes to exist. I just had to keep you occupied and these others safe. No! I'll, I'll just turn it back. You can't. The seconds will only move in one direction, inexorably. And there's oh. nothing you can do about it. No! I won't allow it. I won't allow it. What was happening? Doctor! John, Mrs. Polly, it's all right. Just stay still. Don't go near him. That's all we have to do. Everything will be absolutely...
Well, that was, goodness me. John? John? Mrs. Polly? Hmm. Both back where you belong, I suppose. I do hope so. Just this old house which has been derelict for decades by the look of it sorry i did knock the door's open hello you look familiar so do i it is you isn't it i mean me i mean i hope i'm not too late um let me buy you breakfast. Your breakfast, sir. Anything else I can fetch? No, this is lovely. Scrummy, thank you. Very good, sir. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. I do love the Ritz. So snooty. Have I always loved the Ritz? Did you? I mean, do you? I mean, when I was you, did I? I, I don't recall. One of my favourites. So... What am I doing here, or what will I be doing here? Me? Uh, I've, I've been living in London for the last year. I always liked this year. It's a thin spot, you know. Mm, I do know. To be honest, I'm living here in retirement. I shouldn't go into details because, you know, causality. Let's just say I'd got a little weary of being a liability to others. It was time to keep the world at a distance. I know the feeling. Indeed. Thank you. Actually, it's nice to see an unfamiliar face. I had no idea I was here. Well, you were here. No memory of it at all. Memory has never been a constant through incarnations, as we both know. Quite. Thing is, last night, just before dawn, it all came back to me in a flash. The moment reality realigned. Exactly. Everything fell back into place. Even though I'm, you know, retired... I had to come and help. So I rushed over as soon as I remembered, just to help out. But you had it in hand. I do my best. Always. So everything's smoothed out and here we are. No big hole in space-time, just a bit of a worn patch. London's the right way round again, young Hobby Hobshaw's off on his career as a writer. And Crookshap? Never existed. And it still doesn't. Again. Of course, there was no saving poor Mr Stubbs. That was a bit you can't undo. What about Mrs. Polly? Yes, we liked her, didn't we? Her husband didn't die. No, he, he didn't. No Russian war? No Russian war. Mr. James Polly of the Scots Guard is alive and well and never laid down his life in the service of his country. He's retired, runs a grocer's in Woking. What aren't you telling me? He resigned from the army in 1889. He'd been serving in India, but his young wife... Back home in London, 
She died in a cholera outbreak. Sorry. So I put everything right. Saved her husband, but in the right version of right. She dies young. It's pretty rubbish, isn't it? No matter what I do. Someone always pays the price. I'm pretty sad about it too. I've only just remembered her and now I've got to process the idea she's not around. I try so hard. We do. We really do. And it still ends up badly. But trying's the point, isn't it? Is it? I thought that for a long time. I thought that when I was you. Because it's the only way to think. We can only ever do the right thing, you and me, just that. We can't save everybody, but we can do or try to do the things that really matter. Well, I've had time to reflect on that. And I seem to remember, when I was you, I was going through a bit of a rough patch. I mean, we try to do the right thing. Like preventing a total reality overwipe and subsequent destruction of the cosmos by an outer-dimensional quasi-demonic entity? Like that. And, and people still suffer. These things need to be done, no matter what the risk. And the people that travel with us and help us understand that. They really do. It's their choice. You sound like someone we knew. I can't protect them all by simply leaving them. And I'm not placing them in any danger they're not entirely willing to face by letting them come along. Really? When I'm right, I'm right. I'll go and find them. I will. There will be uh, a certain amount of shouting. Fortify yourself with eggs and soldiers. How is Tegan and Nyssa and Mark? Mark is still with you, isn't he? It's been ages. Oh, they're fine. So you're going back for them? I am. Well, you're a better man than me. I'll just stay here, keep myself to myself. What changed your mind? Mrs Polly. And if I'm honest, I'd like to avoid ending up like you. I'm not the retiring kind. Mm. Charming. Now, do you want some tips on piloting the TARDIS? I also remember how hopeless I was in it when I was you. I'll be fine, thank you. Are you sure? It's no problem. I've really got the hang of it these days. You just jiggle the... Let's just sit here and have another pot of tea. There'll be time later. That's the way it works. You have been listening to Doctor Who, Thin Time, by Dan Abnett. The Doctor was played by Peter Davison, Charles Cruikshap, Wilf Scolding, Mrs. Polly, Leander Lewis Niawo, John Hobsher, Zaki Ismail, Stubbs, Nicholas Kahn, and the other Doctor, Jacob Dudman. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The script editor, producer, and director was Scott Hancock, and executive producers, Nicholas Briggs and Jason Hay Gallery.
You're listening to a Big Finish production. It's beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful during the day. Really beautiful. Waterfalls. Love the waterfalls. The light. Sun poured like syrup. Beautiful. Beautiful. But at night... It's a whole new level. Another world. Have you heard the doctor talk about positive ions? Oh, have I? Do you think this is similar? No idea. Don't care. It's just perfect. I've never felt so calm. So wonderful, so relaxed. Wait a minute. Tegan, don't. Have you heard me? Never felt so calm. I ask you, what's wrong with me? What's going on? It's this place, isn't it? Typical. Another planet making me go mad. Not mad, the opposite of mad. Look at me, lying on my back, stargazing, relaxed. What's wrong with that? Do you know me at all? and I'm tearing this planet apart with my nails. Unbelievable. <sighs> Beautiful. I hope the Doctor never comes back. Every process, every shift, when it switches from one power unit to another, I shiver. When the power units recharge, it feels like nausea, gagging on electricity. I wish they'd just killed me. I wish they'd just killed me. About last night. We need to get off this planet. No, we don't. We really don't. You're panicking about nothing. Don't. Just don't. Do you have any idea how patronising that sounds? Sorry, but we're safe here. Of course we are. Do you really think he'd have left us here otherwise? Oh, Nissa. You had to mention him. Seriously? You're still doting on him? He has no idea what he's doing, Nissa. We could live or die here and he wouldn't begin to know. Or care. Morning. Glad to see you and Tegan are getting on so well. Marks, sorry, we didn't mean to disturb you. Uh, you may not have done. I'm not entirely sure Tegan has ever thought about it one way or another. Were you asleep? No. And I doubt I ever will be again. 
Oh, Mark. I can do it. I can sleep. But when I do, I, I can hear its voice. The programming app. A monster screaming in my ear. I'm... I'm so sorry. Yeah, of course you are. So, what are you and Tegan arguing about today? You make it sound like we're always arguing. Oh, yes. It's this place. The effect you feel at night. The sense of calm well-being. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like being calm. It's not very her. No, I suppose not. Besides, there was a planet a few months ago. A place where she was... Affected. Controlled. Something crept into her mind. I think I can imagine what that might have been like. It was difficult for her. This place reminds her of that. A, a jungle planet, all calm and controlling. I wish I felt calm. I just feel nothing. But then, what do you expect when you're dead? You're not dead. Am I not? There are times when I doubt that. This skin, these bones, they don't feel alive. They are. I promise you, they are. They feel so cold. I'm sorry. Of course you are. We're all sorry. Well, except him. Tell me, the doctor, has he ever abandoned you before? Probably all going to start killing each other in a minute. That seems unlikely. Trust me, I have experience. This planet is messing with our minds. As someone whose mind is somewhat thorny, I'm only too happy for it to do so. Well, that's no good, is it? That's how they get you. What? Planets? You're mocking me. I'm really not, but you do sound a bit... Mad? My son wouldn't use such language. My son might, but not when his therapist is listening. Oh, fair enough. I suppose that's all I can insist on. Morning, Tegan. Professor, you seem agitated. Can you blame me? <laughs> I'm a psychotherapist. Let's be honest, if I were to blame anyone, it would likely be your parents. Oh, ha, ha. This planet. What about it? It's controlling us, making us calm, making us quiet. Are you sure? It doesn't seem entirely effective, if so. At night, it makes you all, I don't know, woozy. The atmosphere at night is especially effective on agitated mental states, yes. And that doesn't bother you? Of course not. It's why I'm here. What? Oh. I did mention it in passing yesterday, but you weren't entirely, well, you were a bit agitated. Don't say his name. I was listening, sort of. But yes, sorry. I tend to clock out a bit when it gets scientific. Habit. So, this place is controlling us then? Not in the least. Well, no more than a bottle of wine controls your ability to walk. There is something naturally present in the planet's atmosphere that calms and soothes. I'm, I'm trying to isolate it and understand it. I'm just enjoying it. I don't like being messed with. Who says you're being messed with? I feel what I feel. I don't need some planet trying to shave the edges off it. Lucky you. Oh, oh, look, I don't mean to be insensitive. I just... I like to know what I'm feeling is real, that's all. If you're feeling it, it's real. That's all we can ever say, isn't it? 
The idea of feelings being in any way definitive outside our personal experience, well, I can assure you, that's just not how things work. Well, I want to get off this planet. First opportunity I get, I'm leaving. But your friend, the doctor... He's not coming back. And even if he is, I can't sit around here waiting. He left us to fend for ourselves, so that's what I'll do. Whatever it takes. Why are you doing that? I want to build a fire. Yeah, I get that, but why? It's not cold. The food packs heat themselves. I just like doing it. When I can, this wood never seems to burn. I haven't managed to get a single fire going in all the time we've been here. Just stop trying. Then where would we be? Honestly, what with Tegan's constant anger and your fatalism, it's tiring being the one that has to keep everything together. Really, really tiring. So stop trying. That's what I did. And look where it got you. Accepting. Keep accepting like that and you'll barely be able to move. That's not acceptance, Mark. It's giving up. Oh, whatever. I punched a tree today just to see what would happen. It fell over. Can you imagine that? One punch, boom, crunch, no more tree. What's one to do with a punch that extreme? What is one to do? Stop punching trees? They haven't done you any harm after all. I'm not sure anything could. Not anymore. On the outside, at least. It seems to me that you're more vulnerable than ever on the inside. That's the thing, isn't it? Half a job. At least if the conversion had been complete, I wouldn't hurt anymore. I wouldn't care. I think about that all the time, you know? I think about it and... I wish they'd just finished me. I wish I didn't care. Oh, Mark, come here. Don't touch me, don't! Uh, Mark, it's okay. I said don't! Ah! Mark, that hurt. You mustn't touch me. Okay, I won't. But you have to be careful. You don't entirely know... Yeah, how to control myself, how strong I am. No, I don't. I think maybe I should just stay away, don't you? Why can't they be happy? Why can't they just be happy? Happy. 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 Happiness. The one emotion the programming did manage to kill Stone dead. Lucky me. She doesn't understand. How could she? She's still alive. She doesn't feel thick oil running through her veins. She doesn't hear the low buzz of the CPU that's taken the place of her heart. stillness. I want solitude. I walk into the river and let myself sink to the bottom. Not to die. That's no longer a choice. I just want peace. I want to be away from the light, the people. Air bubbles out of my throat, a breath I don't need. So much now I don't need. A way of telling the time, for example. I know exactly how long I lie there on the bed of the river. 
2 hours 31 minutes and 42 seconds. I only moved then because inside me I've felt something that brings me the closest to humanity I've known for some time. Fear. B because something inside me, some metallic piece of soul, is aware of something. Something approaching. How can I know it means us harm? What impossibly sensitive, impossibly judgmental piece of magic is it that decides this inside me? How can it know that something is coming that means our death? Are you all right? Am I all right? I'm not the one screaming. No. Was I? Sorry. I tend to do that. The war? The war. The thing with wars is that they stop. It may not seem like it when you're in one, but they can't not, you know? I mean, eventually, even the worst wars run out of people to die for them. They end. They're finite. Everyone's dead. Not this one, though. Not the one in my head. It's always there. It always will be there. How can you kill ghosts? They just keep marching, keep firing, keep screaming. I'm sorry. I can't imagine what it must have been like to see what you saw. You think you've become numb to it. You think you've seen so much that the brain's just adapted, switched off, accepted. And for that moment, it has. Because you have to get through it. You have to have enough wherewithal to fight or to run. Your body does what it has to do to let you survive. But then, later, once the danger is past, then it all comes back. Everything you saw, everything you felt. I dream it constantly, looping and looping and looping. It's so clear, so intense. I can smell it. Feel it. You ever been in a laser battle? I've been shot at a fair few times, but no. Not in a war, not like you. You get a tan. Did you know that? From the lasers. The air is so full of it, your skin tightens and burns, pink and sore. Hell. And the heavy-duty stuff, the ship-to-ship -ship batteries, when they fire, the air becomes wet. It actually condenses around you. They cook the air. You're constantly wiping your visor because of the steam. Oh, horrible. And I just want to be done with it. 
This place helps. The planet's atmosphere. I know you don't approve, but it's so soothing. When the professor and I came here, it was the first night I'd slept more than a couple of hours since the war. Just lying beneath the stars. Which is wonderful. I wasn't meaning to... I don't know, demean that in any way. I just... Well, I like to be in control. Control? No such thing. None. We're all the sum of our neuroses. From the moment we're born, everything that happens to us, every word, every action, programming. It's all setting up a series of causes and effects. Years later, when you try to figure out why the smell of fried catfish has you screaming, you won't remember anymore, but it's there. Programming. An endless network of stresses and Pavlovian reactions. Believe me, the day you realise your brain has you a prisoner and not the other way around is the first day of freedom. If that's true, though, what's the point of therapy? Surely you hope the professor can cure you. Cure? It's not about a cure. It's about understanding. It's about managing. It's coming up with strategies that allow us to function. And one of those strategies is this place? The nights are levelers. You can always get through just one day. And every night, the calm comes. The silence. It's a gift. It really is. You may not want it, but I'd think hard about that if I were you. Really hard. And that friend of yours... Nissa. Mark. The one who moves like a robot? He needs this place. He needs it more than he'd ever admit. I recognise the look. Used to wear it myself, but... But that's a man that's about to hit rock bottom. Hopefully. Hopefully? Yeah, of course. The last thing I'd want is for him to have even further to sink. Around 100 kilometres an hour. You saw that? I did. Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Why? Because I suspect you don't want me to. They would treat me differently. Even more differently than think I was a monster. For being able to run so fast, it takes more than that to be a monster. Besides, running is what you do to get away from monsters, isn't it? Is it working? I don't. Don't what? I've heard you with Mason. The way you talk, trying to open up the parts of him he doesn't want opened. Has he told you that's how he feels? No. Then you're being a bit presumptuous, don't you think? You dig. That's my job. Not with me. No. You I do for free. Why? Why do you even care? You don't know me. You only care for the people you know. You have enough to be doing. With your machines and with Mycin. And yet here I am. You should leave me alone. Why? Because I'm dangerous. You've made it angry. What are you talking about? Oh, nothing. 
just being playful. You punched her and she raged. The planet? Like I said, just being playful, I think. But anyway, you seem concerned by how dangerous you are. Aren't you? Ability isn't a threat. Attitude is. I don't run from parked cars just in case they run me over. Why should I feel you're dangerous? Do you want to hurt people? (sighs) Only me. But then that's impossible. I can run at 100 kilometres an hour. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to eat. I I don't need to breathe. I'm strong enough to punch holes in rock. How am I supposed to be hurt? By being abandoned by the person you trust. (sighs) Cruel. Yes, it was rather. On their part. (sighs) Nearly here. I'm sorry. I think I lost you then. Your focus. It was like you were somewhere else. Something's coming that means us harm. I can tell. Anxiety? The metal. The voices. They know and they tell me. Tell me in here. Death is on its way. I guarantee it. nothing to worry about. Thunder? Uh, No, a couple of minutes ago that was thunder. I think this was a ship. Someone arriving. Entering the atmosphere, yes. Great! Maybe we can finally get out of here then. And go where? Anywhere, as long as we get a lift to somewhere that's a bit busier than this place. Not that that would be difficult. You do that? Just leave? Of course. We can't just stay here forever. Nobody's saying we should. The doctor will... Oh, well, give it a rest! No, I won't. My opinion's just as valid as yours. I think he'll come back. I think he just needed a bit of time. So never mind what we might need, eh? He thinks he's the only one who's hurting. No, but he thinks he's the only one whose fault it is. And there we go. Night time. No more stress or arguing, eh? The planet's got us dosed. It's really not like that. I know, I know. It's just sometimes it feels like anger's all I've got, you know? If this place takes that away, what's left? (gasps) What's happening? I have no idea. But whatever it is, it's having quite the effect. You're trying to get a response out of me. Of course. What's the point in conversation otherwise? He shouldn't have left us here, all right? He had problems of his own. I don't care. He should have looked after us. Because you need looking after more than him. That's not what I'm saying. It is if you think he should put your mental health before his own. He acts like he's responsible for all of us and then does this. Proving he's not. Shooting the atmosphere! Stealing! Stealing! Someone stealing from you? Stealing what? Uh, not me! The planet! Stealing from the... Uh, uh, get off me! Uh. Shelter? What shelter? We've been living in tents. 
feels like it's having a nervous breakdown. We need to find Mark and the Professor. The Professor was heading upriver. She was checking the sensors on the plane. Lead the way. Maybe we'll be a bit safer in the open. You should leave me alone. All of you. Why wouldn't you leave me alone? Mark, my friend, you must calm down. Whatever's happening to the planet seems to be affecting you too. Stop telling me what I'm feeling. Stop it. It's nothing to do with you. I sick. Somebody's coming. Mark, we need to stick together. Keep away from me. I can't believe somebody's stupid enough to be flying a shuttle in this storm. They're lucky not to get smashed out of the air. They're trying to land. Good, mate. Good. Maybe they'll be able to help us get out of here. Any sign of Mark and the Professor? I think I see them. This way. Please, Mark. We need to run. I recognize that ship. I told you, didn't I? I said death was on its way. You did. And I should have listened. I'm listening now, and you should listen to me in return. We need to run. Mark! What's wrong? You should all stay away. I'm dangerous. Too dangerous. I could kill you all, you know, just with a flick of my hand. I could kill all of you. Yeah, well, can you do it later? We need to get out of here. Come on, keep back, Tegan. He's not quite himself at the moment. Professor? What's happened to your voice? There's no time to explain. Not right now. The ship's landed. They're coming. Who's coming? You have no idea the danger you're in. Hang on, look at her face! Oh no, it's too late. They're here. What are those things? Slitheen. Just like me. Like me. Like you? Hardly. You haven't the hunt scars to be one of the Clutch Par family. Look at that stage of you. You've never done a hard day's killing in your life. Pleased to hear it. Oh, look at those claws, Banner. You swear they've never stirred marrow. I should think not. Listen to it speak. Oh. 
born with a silver spade and I'm half that one. I am Stepha Westmacotta Thatch Sladeen, and I demand you get back on your shuttle and leave this planet immediately. Oh, one of the copter thatches. You were right, Bella. Proper posh. Yes, Grummer. I tell you what, though. Posh still <laughs> Hey, so, um, maybe we'll just leave you to your little, uh, Slithy Sleuthers. Slitheen. Slitheen Squabbles, shall we? You've no business with us. I'm not sure that's going to work, Tegan. No business with you. But we've business with you, all right. It'll be an hour before the atmosphere scoops done its job, and we're very impatient people. Very impatient. So we thought we'd have a little human hunt. Oh, it's been ages since we had a human hunt. I've forgotten what they taste like. No humans here. Hey, what's wrong with this one, eh? It looks like its brain has been curdled. Dead. Completely dead. Quite right, my little pink biggie. <laughs> These are my friends. They are not prey. Oh. Run! All of you, I'll hold them back. Oh, well, that hardly seems fair. Oh. Two on one. Look after one another. Look after Mark. He needs a call. Come on, nice, and do as she says, Mark. He's not listening. Run! Yes! Run! We love the chase. We love it when you get a nice sweat on. Oh, save Mark, we need to run! Run! That's right! Come on! Right. So I won't lie. I'm more of a talker than a fighter, but still. You want them! You'll have to go through me! Yippee! <laughs> 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 Is no one going to mention the fact the professor was an alien? We all keep things hidden inside. Not literally. Look, the professor's been... Well, I wouldn't still be here if it wasn't for her. I don't care what she looks like. I don't care what species she is. She's always been there for me and I trust her. And right now, she's risking her life to save ours. Isn't that good enough for you two? Of course it is. Listen to them. It's awful. She doesn't stand a chance. I don't know anything about these Slavine things, but they could clearly kill us with a click of their fingers. You've not met the Slavine before? No, thankfully. Wish we still hadn't. They're the worst. They'll do anything for money. Including siphoning off the atmosphere from here, it would seem. Which is mad. I mean... You can't just steal a planet's atmosphere. Of course you can. Atmosphere scoops. They're banned. Of course they are. But that's not going to stop the Slovene. And if Kalana's properties do lie in its atmosphere, there would be a market for selling it, I'm sure. Definitely. But what I don't understand is, what's going on with the weather? You mean that doesn't always happen when using one of these atmosphere scoop things? No, but that's when it started. Just after we heard the sound of the scoop starting, the storm began. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like it? What doesn't like it? Oh, it's no good. He's having some sort of... Oh, I don't know. It's like he's shut down on the inside. As long as he can keep running, we can worry about it later. Oh, no! It doesn't sound like the professor's doing well. Hey, 
keep your bones clean. That's enough. She may be easy meat, but she's still caught a thatch. If we kill her, there'll be trouble. We could say it was an accident. Honestly, her head just diced itself into small chunks. There's no need to start a blood feud. Maybe you're right. Look at her. She's no trouble. She's just whimpering and soon to be scars. Let's get after the humans. Those we can peel to our heart's content. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Run, my friends! Run! Let's take a breather. There's no point in running with no plan. Where are we even heading? Anywhere the Slovene aren't. Honestly, I think we've been going in a circle. Don't say that. We could be running back towards them. Towards them. That's right. Oh, Mark, please snap out of it. We need you. Snap. He can't help it. He's been through so much. You ask me, it's something to do with what's happening to the planet. The weather? You think he's scared of a bit of thunder and lightning? The professor had a theory. A mad one, to be honest with you. But, well, it's sounding more possible by the second. She thought the planet was sentient. Sentient? Mad's right. Who ever heard of a living planet? What made her think that? As you know, she was trying to analyse the properties of the atmosphere, the way it soothed. But the readings were always inconsistent. It was as if the properties of the planet shifted depending on what was needed. It offered more or less care of those on its surface based on what it thought was necessary. That's what she wondered. Little things that happened. Just one or two could have been coincidences. But when it kept happening... Like what? She was bemoaning how thirsty she was once, and it started raining. I keep trying to light a fire, and it just won't happen. Me too. So neither of you are any cop at camping, so what? Tegan, I fought in the trenches for four years. I know how to light a fire. But something would always go wrong. A sudden gust of wind blowing out the flame, a downpour dousing the wood. And then there was the way it responded to other external stimuli. Stimuli. Such as? Such as the atmosphere scoop. That's what you were saying earlier. Exactly. As soon as it began attacking the atmosphere, the planet responded with storms, wind, thunder, like it was... I know it sounds silly, but crying out. A living planet. What a thought. It's a crazy one. Not really. Nature is full of gestalt organisms. It's not so absurd to imagine a whole ecosystem gaining sentience. Well, if this place really is alive and kicking, I wish it would lend a hand. Maybe it's got enough on its plate dealing with the atmosphere scoop. We have to try and turn it off. And help the Professor. Neither of which will be easy. We're no match for the Slitheen physically. And we may not be a match for the security they'll have placed on the scoop. It won't just be a big red off switch, you know. Hey, now, wait a minute. We've gone from where should we run to that's safe to let's sprint towards danger. Danger? You're not kidding. What's wrong with him? I know he's been through a lot, but he's completely out of it, not even there. Don't be so sure. He's obviously shut down a little. Self-preservation, silent running, but he's picking up what we say. I saw it a lot in the war. People retreating to the only place they felt safe. Inside themselves? Yeah. 
that's no safer than anywhere else right now, is it? Especially if you two insist on heading back into trouble. It's the right thing to do. If the planet's sentient, the scoop could be killing it. And the Professor did save our lives. For now. The sacrifice you're suggesting we throw right back at her. We have to. Fine. I was bored with living here anyway. I think you were right about our moving in a circle. I'm pretty sure the plane's that way. Come on then, let's go and get ourselves eaten. Oh, this is just too much. I swear if I salivate anymore, I'll drown in my own enthusiasm. I definitely came this way. I can sniff them. Ah, you can't miss them. They smell of barbecue waiting to happen. How long will the atmosphere scoop? Another 45 minutes or so. We have time. It may get a bit wheezy for the last 10 minutes, but that just makes it even more exciting. It won't take us that long. These humans have forgotten what it is to be haunted. They crash through the plant life like parpoxen. They're not trying to cover their tracks. They're not trying to fight that. Shush! I don't need your buzzkill, Bella. It's a delicious hunt and I intend to enjoy it for all it's worth. If it gets too easy, we could always catch one and give the others a head start to run again while we eat it. (laughs) You're such a good sport! I know, I know! Recognize me, eh? Not surprised. Oh, sorry. This is highly irresponsible on my part. A patient must be able to trust their therapist. Don't move. You've been badly hurt. Let me take a look. Oh, it's nothing. A few days with my paws up wouldn't fix. It looks considerably worse than that. I also have a medical degree. Don't argue. Thing was so realistic, it's freaky. Look at it. Your face all hollow and empty. <laughs> People don't like to open up to a Sladine. We're a teensy bit psychotic as a rule. But not you? Oh, believe me. My parents are terribly disappointed. Their constant belittling of my ambitions and interests is a great source of mental unhappiness. But how did you even fit? I mean, the professor was smaller than you. I'm not sure you want to know the answer to that. Come now, look at the suit. That's not a real hide, as if I would do such a thing. My species often wear skin suits, it's true. They do love to infiltrate. And yes, normally that skin suit is made from, well, someone's skin. They actually wear the skins of their victims. Yes, with a compression field that allows them to fit. But this is different. I designed it myself. Good, isn't it? As well as being, well, morally hateful, most Slitheen skin suits have a difficulty with gas exchange, but not this one. I suspect we can all be glad of that, if you're saying what I think you're saying. Yes, terribly bad for the environment. The carbon footprint of this suit is negligible. Also... 
I can alter the outer appearance. I've spent a lot of time as Professor Codge. Her appearance has changed over the years, got a little older, a few more grey hairs. If the suit's appearance was fixed, then I'd have drawn suspicion long ago. Surely it can't be comfortable, though, compressed into it all the time? Oh, it drives me mad! But I love what I do. My practice is everything to me. If this is the price I pay, then so be it. Well, in future, you can leave the suit off when talking to me. You won't need it. Bless you. You're by far my loveliest patient. Look, much as I hate to be the voice of misery, none of us may have a future right now. We need to switch off that scoop thingy and somehow avoid the other two. Yes, it would have to be the Clatchpaw family. Their reputation precedes them. Terrible, vicious, awful lot. I'm inclined to agree. They're scared of only one thing. They're Bama. They're what? The den mother of the Clatchpaw family. You've never known a truly liquid bowel until you've met Bama Lotta proper Clatchpaw. Charming. Now look, we need to get moving. If you think you can. Of course. as if we're not here. Give him a little while. He'll snap out of it. I suspect he's been relying on the planet a little bit more than anyone knew. When it was harmed, he was affected too. I'm surprised it didn't do the same to me. I don't know what I'd do without the atmosphere of this place. More than you think, probably. Right. So what's the plan? Deactivate the atmosphere scoop? Yes. And hope that we can keep the other Slitheen away for however long that takes. That'll be the problem. They're extremely capable hunters. Honestly, they'll be hot on your trail right now, probably only minutes away. Distract. He's right. Somebody needs to distract them. Mark? Looks like he's paying a little more attention than we thought. Run. Hunt. Mark! No! Come back! It's all right. I'll go with him. And we should head to their ship. The scoop will be protected by security protocols. I know how a Slitheen thinks. Lots of booby traps. Brilliant. I'm sure with your help we can deactivate it. We can but try. <sighs> they split up. Exciting. Finally they offer a challenge. Two have gone with the cotter thatch. Two have gone alone. And one of them smells rotten. More like motor oil than lumber. Well, probably just hasn't washed. You know what these humans are like. Horrible little creatures. Less civilized than a Volubian hen knight. Oh, I know. Oh, disgusting, aren't they? Are you... Wearing the gas exchange unit? No, just really, really excited. Oh, let's go after the two humans on their own. The party of three can wait. Agreed. <laughs> I feel so lost. So buried. Like the real world is so far above me that I'll never... Move, thinking, 
walking, no chance. But I have to help. I have to help the planet and my friends, because whatever may have happened to me, I have abilities now. I have strength. Don't I? Don't I have strength? Don't I have strength? What was that? Never mind. Let's stop for a moment. We need to make sure that the Slovene are taking the bait. If they follow the others, then we're just wasting our time. Dirty boys, smelly boys, don't turn your hides into you! Okay, I guess they're following. Come on then, let's give them a run for their money. Run! That's right! of this thing, I wouldn't be surprised to find fluffy dice swinging off the rear-view sensors. The clutch paw aren't one for ostentation, it's true. Believe me, though, the ship will fly well enough. And the security protocols protecting the atmosphere scoop will be top of the range. Then we'll just have to be a match for them. Where are they? That looks like the right panel. Yes, this is it. Oh, and it's been argumentative already. There must be a way to bypass it. Oh, definitely. All we need is time. Something we definitely don't have. Hey, what's this? Whoa! It's all right. It's just a projection. That's Bama. Half a ton of poisonous green flesh. Big, isn't she? Huge. Legend is that she ate half the family, basically anyone who disappointed her. I've no idea if it's true, but, well, I could believe it. Well, I'm glad she's not here. The other two seem to walk in the park by comparison. Believe me, they are. There's not a Slothene I know of who would dare stand up to her. Now, enough of their family snaps. We need to get on. We could try a logical recursion loop. Mm, excellent idea. Worth a try. I wonder... They're close. Too close. Closer than you think. <laughs> Throw you around like a bouncing ball, little piggy. Bouncing ball of bones. No. <laughs> Get off me, smelly piggy. Naughty piggy. Naughty. Don't let me touch you, Grandma. You don't know where it's been. <laughs> Something wrong, Bella. Something it's stronger than it should. I'm dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Is that so, little piggy? You're stronger than you look. Strong, yes, but are you laser proof? No. Shoot me and you'll kill him. Get off me. Quicker than you should be too. I, I barely saw you move. What are you? Dangerous. Annoying. Right. So we have an impasse. If I shoot you, you'll kill my brummer. 
You hurt Grummer, and I'll certainly kill you. Nobody moves. Oh, but for how long, little piggy? I'm a very patient woman. Sooner or later, one of you will slip up. And then you're dead. We're getting somewhere. I only hope it'll be soon enough. Listen to it out there. I have a feeling the planet can't take much more of this. We're close. I know we are. Let's just hope Mycen and Mark are holding out. Well, what are we going to do? I warn you now, I lied about my patient. I'm more than happy to risk killing Grummer if it means I can pull your limbs off. Bella! Well, this is only supposed to be a bit of fun. We've got things to do. No, no more. Leave the planet now. Shard! If anyone can make you, I think it's him. <laughs> and the day we listen to a human is the day we hang up our claws. Give up, stupid pink skin. Let's just let us kill you and we can all get on with our day. You are bad, little touch What are you doing? What are you doing here? Tidying up after you. Look at you. Two humans running rings around you. Oh, he's not human. I don't know what he is, but he's not human. You're an embarrassment. A disgrace. I'm disgraced. Busted just looking at you. Oh, Mama, don't say it. Mama, I love you. Well, I don't love you. You're a shame on the family. Nope, get home. The sooner you give it up on all of this foolishness, the sooner we can pretend it never happened. Give up? You can't mean it. This is a wonderful plan. A brilliant plan. If we're going to make a fortune, Bam, I promise. You're going to make tracks, boy. That's what you're going to make. Now, listen. I won't tell you again. Get back on your ship. And get home now! Okay. Yes, Bamba! Yes, of course! Of course. Yes, sorry, Bamba! Sorry, Bamba! Sorry, Bamba! Sorry, Bamba! Sorry, Bamba! Sorry, We've done it! One more thing. Emptying the scoop back into the atmosphere. Precisely. Of course, it may be too late. I don't think so. Listen, it's already having an effect. The storm. Listen. The planet's getting better. I should hope so too. inside that thing, like wearing a boil-in-the-bag locker room. Tegan? Of course. Who else was woman enough to get those Slovene on the run, eh? I got Cot to help me program her suit. Figured you two might need some help. Listen to that. Uh, nighttime's back on Kalana. Uh, nighttime. Oh. oh, I felt so... so lost. Mark? I thought we'd lost you. Maybe you have. 
No, now come on. You're stronger than that. You keep proving it. Oh, Tegan. What am I going to do? What's left of me? What am I anymore? Am I human? A monster? Dead? Alive? What am I? Your mark, obviously. You were never anything else. The rest is just window dressing. Clutter. Labels aren't who we are. It's deeper than that. Harder to define. You really believe that? You think people wouldn't look at me differently if they knew what I really was beneath the skin? But what you really are is Mark. That's what I'm saying. You're you. The you you've always been. I wish I could believe that. You will. Eventually. go. Good riddance. As far as I can tell, the atmosphere is back to normal. It's hard to be precise. The readings are always so inconsistent, but... It's back to normal. Definitely. Some of us just feel it. But the planet's hurt. Just because it seems fine again on the surface, that doesn't mean it's gotten over what's happened. It had a huge, fundamental part of itself taken away. Dealing with that will take time. Luckily, I know a good psychotherapist. I'm sure she can help. You're going to put a whole planet into therapy. Why not? Everyone needs therapy. The doctor. Told you he'd come back. You don't sound particularly happy about it. I thought you'd be over the moon. We could have been happy here. Really? Could have filled me. Look at him. Look at his face. He wants you to forgive him. Isn't that what we all want from time to time? Yeah, I guess. Thing is, I don't. We'll be off again. Danger. Running. Things unsaid. Always. Either that or stay here going slowly mad. We don't use that word. I do. Hello, Nissa. Tegan. Uh, Mark. I suppose... We should talk. You have been listening to Doctor Who, Madquake, by Guy Adams. Nyssa was played by Sarah Sutton. Tegan Javanka, Janet Fielding. Mark, George Watkins. Professor Cott, Kate Isett. Myson, Raj Gattak. Bella, Donna Kroll. Grammar, Harley Vivash. Robot Soldiers, Jacob Dudman. And the Doctor, Peter Davison. 
and other parts were played by members of the cast. The script editor, producer and director was Scott Hancock and executive producers Nicholas Briggs and Jason Haygallery. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Flying Dutchman and Displaced. The Flying Dutchman is a glowing, ghostly ship, one that can never make port and is doomed to sail the seas forever. Why did they sound like ghosts? What's happening? Readying the artillery, sir! Good! Let's hit them with everything we've got! Let them go or you don't want to know where I'll put this sword! Ha-ha! Nor mine! Bring her around! The wind's too strong! We're gonna lose her! You really are a landlubber, aren't you? I'm a big fan of dry land. That's what you mean. They're but evil they... spirits, Captain. Throw them overboard. That's too good for a cut their throats. Yeah. Oh, steady on, fellas. Oh. Help! She's overpowering me. Watch the yard arm. Ace, what did you do? I didn't touch anything. No slugs. No lava. So far, so good. Earth. 2020, I would say. Oh, I thought all the doors were stuck. Clearly, Harry can unstick them. <laughs> but a 2020 Harry can't move doors. My brain knows ghosts aren't real, but my gut tells me this place is haunted. Big finish. We love stories. Hello, my name is Scott Hancock, and I'm the producer and director of Doctor Who, A Thin Time, and also Madquake. I really like the double bill format that we've used a little bit more on recent releases, particularly in the Peter Davison run. They just allow us to tell a different shape of story, and stories that might not necessarily work if you expanded it to four parts or even three parts. And it also allows us to tell more stories. The previous trilogy ended with the Doctor having abandoned his companions because he believed he was putting them in too much danger and basically leaving them to it. So in the last release, Time Apart, we've explored a few of his adventures on his own and now we see the adventure that effectively spurs him into going back for his companions. My name is Peter Davis and I play the Fifth Doctor and I've had a lovely time. My name is Leandro Nati Lewis Nyao and I play Mrs. Polly and I've had a fantastic time. My name is Wilf Scolding, I play Charles Crookshap and I've had a lovely time too. My name's Zaki Ismail, I play John Hobshaw and it's been okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it was so so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you find it changes how you approach? The Doctor firing off different characters. It's always nice to fire off different characters anyway, really, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it does. It does, of course. But not not that I don't love doing scenes with my companions. But, you know, it's, not, it's just nice to do something else. It's just, there's sometimes more acting scenes. You're desperate searching Doctor Who for a bit of acting. You know, <laughs> and you don't get a lot of the Doctor. You get a lot of running down corridors and talking quickly about things you don't have no idea what they mean. <laughs> But it's nice to have a little scene, you know, a little scene where you have a... Yeah, a bit of connection yeah, with Mrs. Polly in this. and Especially with Mrs. Polly, yes. <laughs> what are you saying? It wanted you to open the door. <laughs> I shut it again quick, smart, I can tell you. Good for you. Good for all of us. 
how have you all found the experience? Particularly Leander and Zaki, first big finish? Second. Oh. Yeah. Um, and again, to- done in a totally different way as well. And that's kind of the exciting thing about this, like the the layout, the the way that we do it all together and everything like that. And I, it's been it's been interesting and it's been fun. It's uh, it's a new muscle to stretch, which is cool. It was fun. It sort of sucks you in, doesn't it, this script? You're, you're intrigued from the first and the characters, are, they come off the page and you want to invest in them from, from the start listening. So, yeah, it was fun. The layout as well is very different. It takes place in a smaller sort of, it's more um, intimate in that way. And, and that's quite fun. And that's been like an interesting take on it. And it's quite cool. Yeah, there wasn't, yes, you're right. Because we were in a sort of house that, where nothing else existed, weren't we? So that was good. That's it. You can almost imagine the sets in TV Centre just sort of trapping you in. Doctor, whoever you are, one minute you're gabbling science and space Time, the next magic and Halloween. All the same thing, John, all the same thing. One man's magic is another man's physics. It all depends on your point of view. Does the period environment help as well? Because, I mean, we've all seen those films and sort of country house sort of things. And... Slightly time machine You know, the film mm, has yeah. this element to it. Sort of early H.G. Wells kind of feeling of... Uh... I'm discovering. But yeah, I think it helps inform characters and, and, and knowing that and, and sort of the way you approach it all. There is almost like a guidebook in, in how people from that era were, so it, it helps. It gives you a bit more licence to have fun with the characters as well. But they're a lovely rich set of characters, actually. I mean, they're, they're sort of... They, they could veer towards stereotypes in a way, but actually they've all got their own little, you know, nuances. And, you know, it, because it's such an intimate script and cast... There's a lot of room, as Peter was saying, to actually act and find a bit more emotion rather than just run up and down. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, and totally. get lightheaded yeah. and nearly fall over. But is it nice to sort of form those relationships quite quickly in a script like this? Yes. Yeah, so, well, you have to work on that sort of instant level, don't you, and these things. But it, it, it's good. Helps not having to learn the lines, of course. Although I do know them, obviously. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Didn't use a script today. No. <laughs> I think when I knew Dan wanted to tell a story in Victorian England, I couldn't resist drawing the parallel between the Fifth Doctor's situation, where he's effectively exiled himself from a life of adventure, to those of the Eleventh Doctor in the Snowmen uh, Christmas special, where he has decided to retire from adventuring, both effectively having made the same decision for the same reasons, to, to protect any of their friends from getting hurt. It just so happened that the story was set in the period when the 11th Doctor would have been retired in London. So the moment that happened, I couldn't resist the idea of a little scene at the end where both Doctors met. And so that was very deftly written into the storyline in the script by Dan and leads to a charming little conversation at at the very end of the story where... Upon seeing his future self, the Fifth Doctor, you know, rallies and decides, no, he has to go back for his friends. And realises he's a lot more when he has his friends around them than when he doesn't. And I think we're all like that. I think we're all effectively informed by the people we we share our lives with. What changed your mind? Mrs Polly. And if I'm honest, I'd like to avoid ending up like you. I'm not the retiring kind. Mm. Charming. Obviously, the previous release, Time the Part, featured the Doctor travelling solo, as does Thin Time. So Mad Quake was our opportunity to see what happens when the companions 
are left to their own devices. And I think it's especially interesting now because we introduced a new companion in the form of Mark in last year's trilogy. So we're not just left with Tegan and Nyssa, who the audience know, but we've got a new element in there, arguably the most damaged of the three of them, given his experiences in the previous story. And it's a really interesting script for exploring their group dynamic away from the Doctor, and that sense that somehow they might behave differently when he's around. And I think actually that idea of self-perception and and the way we present ourselves to the world it's a really interesting idea and one guy adams really sort of rolls with in this the idea of of self-perception and identity particularly when you look at it through the lens of uh, professor cott and of course because the companions are here without the doctor i knew it would be an opportunity for us to tell a story featuring a monster from the post-2005 era of Doctor Who that you wouldn't normally be able to include in, in these monthly releases because in terms of continuity, if the Doctor had already met them, he'd have recognised them in the TV series. So I have to be honest, I love a Slitheine and I know Russell T. Davis, who created them, does as well. So I uh, sent Russell a little message one night saying look, this is a mad idea, but I've got a story coming up with just the Fifth Doctor companions and the Doctor won't be around. Can I have them come up against the Slitheine? And Russell immediately went, absolutely. That's a hilarious idea. Go for it. So I mentioned this to Guy Adams, who I've been working with as my script editor, and uh, he said, absolutely, that's a great idea. I want to write it which was equally helpful because he wrote the last story in the previous trilogy, so he knew exactly where we'd left those characters and, and where we needed to pick up from. Hello, I'm Sarah Sutton and I play Nyssa. I'm Janet Fielding and I play Tegan. I'm George Watkins and I play Mark. At the end of the previous trilogy, you were all left to fend for yourselves by the Doctor. Typical, typical. <laughs> Just typical. Just like today. I was going to say, yeah. a, a day without uh, Peter around. We're Peterless. Do you really think he'd have left us here otherwise? Oh, Nissa. You had to mention him. Seriously? You're still doting on him? But yeah, it's quite nice to see different aspects of all your personalities here because, you know, Nissa actually snaps a little bit at some point. She does. She snaps at Tegan. Mm. She says, I have a point of view, which is which unheard of for Nissa to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Tegan, for all her brashness, there's actually a lot of tenderness in this script. You yes. know, you're very patient with Myson and you know, you're listening. And I think the reason you're so brash is because you genuinely believe and want the best for people. Exactly. I only want what's good for him. Mm. Hello, my name is Kate Isett, and I am playing Professor Cott. Hello, I'm Raj Gatak, and I'm playing Myson. Hello, my name is Donna Kroll. And I'm playing Bella. Hello, my name is Harley Vivash and I'm playing Grummer. Lovely. So, welcome all. Kate and Harley, your first big finish day. How have you found the experience? No, it's great. It's great to come in, you know, just come to a booth and uh, get to do your best Slovene voice. I mean, that's this, you know, that's any Doctor Who fan's dream, isn't it? You know, it's been great fun. Well, let's talk about the Slovene because they were the first ones to be filmed as part of Russell T. Davies' new series in 2005. Were you all aware of what they were before coming in, or has it been a sort of baptism of fire? For me, it's been a baptism of fire. 
<clears throat> no idea what a Slovene was. I think my granddaughter told me. Whereas I did my research, oh, Donna. Oh, good girl. And, <laughs> and especially after Scott sent me the link. No, I had actually uh, Googled it because I wanted to know how hideous they were. And I was really charmed by them. And that rather threw me. It's the baby faces, isn't ah. it? It's this, yeah, they've got kind of childlike, doll-like faces. Well, they are quite childish and petulant and Petulous, silly, yeah. Yeah, that's actually. True. They, they enjoy being a bit daft. And I think that's what makes them so threatening in a way is they don't care they don't yeah. try to pretend to be sinister or anything they just love it yeah i mean well i knew who they were just from uh, i mean i kind of got into doctor who you know with the reboot in 2005 you know uh chris eckerson's very much still my doctor i think in my head and yeah so i kind of instantly went oh brilliant Slovene. uh and you know just remembered that mad episode with the prime minister and the 10 downing street and yeah hello my name is rob harvey and i am the composer and sound designer on the release Thin Time and Madquake. So going into this project, and pretty well any other Doctor Who project I do for Big Finish, um, there is kind of a prime directive of it needs to sound like the era, it needs to not be washing over dialogue, technical stuff like that, you know. And it also needs to be supporting the drama, but not to the point of being over the top. Big Finish have got this brilliant house style now. So sound designers and composers kind of know what they're doing going in into a job with Big Finish. However, there is a short conversation with the director before you actually start where you talk about potential ideas, stylistic stuff. There might be a, a certain theme on the, the story that's been written. It might have been written in a certain vein. So the music and the sound design might need to reflect something else for stylistic reasons. In this case, Madquake was riffing off of a bunch of stuff that happened in previous box sets. So I made sure the music was part of that same body of work from Warzone Conversion, from Tartarus. So you should hear some riffing off of old music essentially i'm very proud of my themes that i've written for doctor who so far so i like to plonk them in where i can Magquake was a really good opportunity to do that um at the end of warzone conversion where the doctor leaves there was this sorry spoiler alert um there was this wonderful cue i'd written on orchestra i'll have to play it for you now And then we hear a, another version of that cue at the end of Madquake when the Doctor finally comes back. This cue is a lot darker, trying to reflect what horrible things have happened to these wonderful companions on this planet. And then this section here changes tonality slightly. Um, writers there speaking about having to leave and go on lots of crazy adventures and running. Which I think they actually kind of miss. And I think they really did miss the Doctor. And I felt that this was just being pragmatic, saying we could have been happy there. And then the queue's going to resolve, right as the Doctor says, I suppose we should talk. was what they were supposed to have done right at the very end of Warzone and Conversion. There's still a hu this sort of human element in this. There's relationships between the companions is an obvious one, but despite all these strange aliens, there's, there has to be a sort of a human 
element somewhere. Weirdly, the aliens are sort of incidental to this story. Mm. You know, this is like their business, they're scooping up the planet's atmosphere, but it's all about the interactions between the characters and actually how much is left unsaid. Um, so that, you know, by the time the Doctor arrives, you know, there's a lot of work still to be done in, in finding your dynamic again. Yeah, I'm dying to know what happens in the next episode. Do we really give the Doctor a hard time? That's what I want to know. Yeah, how yeah. quick does it mend? Or is it just... Is this the grudge now from there? From now on, it's, it's, uh, you left us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to be able to forget it. 